Welcome to the SCOM podcast. This is our security and compliance podcast created by Quarter Cloud. I'm Kelly and I work at the marketing department. And I'm Phil from the technical team. And we're going to take you through all our technology in a really interesting way. Phil Talks Technical, where I keep it lighthearted with a selection of exciting guest speakers. Let's delve in. So thank you, Barnaby, for joining us today. Um, for, let's kick off because um, Immersive Labs is actually quite new to us, a quarter cloud. So it'd be good to kind of, and anyone listening, if they aren't aware of Immersive Labs, to just give us a little bit of backstory, what you guys do, how it was founded, etc. Yeah, of course. Um, so we're a little bit different, actually. So we're not a sort of bog-standard cybersecurity company, as, as you would normally think. So we were founded about four and a half years ago, so we were founded in 2017 by a chap called James Hadley, who's our now CEO. Uh, James uh, was a, a security analyst uh, in GCHQ for a number of years um, and then moved into a, a cyber a security instructor role where he was uh, teaching, instructing mm-hmm. um, graduates through the, the cyber summer school at GCHQ, which was a, you know, a, a, a period of time over, over about six weeks where you would, you would bring junior um, and upcoming cyber talent and, tr- and train them in, in different areas. But during that process, he sort of realised that there was no way for him or now organisations to continually monitor the, the skills uh, knowledge and judgment of those individuals uh, because it was very traditional right you think about what training is and it's boring it's mm. typically boring it's powerpoint it's multiple choice it's q a there's no way to evidence that capability on a continual basis so we built the platform to allow individuals to evidence their capability right across the cyber spectrum and continually upskill themselves rather than go for a, you know go on a course or go and achieve a certification because it's a point in time it doesn't necessarily mean anything and it doesn't allow you to continually evidence your capability so we sort of you know tore up the rule book from a training perspective and said well certifications are, are all right but how do you continually exercise and evidence your skills so that's why we were born mm-hmm. um because we're doing things a bit differently and we really are focusing on, on human capability okay because that's quite interesting because i guess like any job how do you know if you're good at it that you can do it that if a problem arises that you're able to do it i mean obviously phil you've gone through that career and learned how to do it and on the ground and things like that but for your training how do, was it on learning on the job i guess yeah it was very much classroom based training and then okay. obviously you you do a classroom course for say 5 days mhm but then you weren't ready for the test at the That's end of right. it you then had to go and do the hard work to get ready for the test. Was well, this sounds right. like it? This will focus on what you actually need to do and actually need to learn. So, if you want to learn something like PowerShell or different types of commands, you know, you're actually the best way of doing things is actually to do them. You know, and that's that's the best way of learning. There's only yeah. so much you get from somebody talking at you, exactly. so you actually need to try and do it to remember yeah. it. So, I think it's jumping straight to that and letting you get hands on and actually learn really useful skills. Yeah, that's right. And we use an analogy actually around flight simulation. So okay. if, you're, if you're a pilot, um, you wouldn't just go and do a load of classroom training or read a load of textbooks or go and answer multiple choice questions. You go into a flight simulator and you mm-hmm. would actually exercise your skills in a practical environment before you actually flew people across the world. So that's essentially what we're allowing cyber professionals to do is, is to get hands on and practical so that if an organisation is breached or, you know, you continue to, need to protect yourself and against, you know, bad actors, then, then you have the skills to, to actually do that. OK, and I guess uh, could organisations use it um, as part of a recruitment process as well, as well as the training part? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I've sort of touched on a, a sort of small area of, of what we do. And another piece um, is, is what we call screening. Um, so I talked about certifications and we're actually not, not against certifications, but we don't actually believe it's, it's a true way to assess capability mm. um, because it is a piece of paper and um, it's, it's, a, it's a stamp in time. It's a point in time. It's not necessarily up to date and cyber moves, as we know, very, very quickly. So what we allow organisations to do is when they're hiring for cyber talent uh, is actually just ask them to go onto the Immersive Labs platform and just evidence capability. So if you're applying for a role as a SOC analyst, for example, Mm -hmm. we have a series of labs that are are relevant to that role. So that candidate can go and prove that they have the capability to do the things required in that role. Um, So it's it's completely removing any unconscious bias because you're just solely looking at capability. You're not looking at maybe experience or certifications. You're just looking at what people can do. Mm -hmm. Can they perform in the role and can they evidence that? Uh, And if you can, then great, you're suitable for the role. You're not just looking at a piece of paper or or a CV. And we all know there's a cybersecurity shortage, isn't there, of having the right talent for the jobs and being able to do that and then also I can't imagine I mean Phil you'd understand more on this of being able to recruit someone and know whether I guess you're not going to know whether they're good at their job until it goes wrong and actually in cybersecurity, that's quite dangerous like flying a plane (laughs) if they don't know how to fly the plane that's a bit bit of a problem yeah I mean people put a lot of you know sometimes people will give you a CV and to me sometimes I look at it and think that's a list that they've just written a list of every every product they can think of under the sun and every version under the sun and you're like well what does that actually mean Mm-hmm. As, as you're saying, you know, if you want them to come in, you want them to build a script, or you want them to be able to work in certain parts of your environment, you can, you can test that, and obviously you can then use it to upskill them, can't you? Well, absolutely. So you know, it's a it's a cyclical process. So you hire best in class talent, and that reduces the risk of a bad hire, Kelly, like you just mentioned, yeah. of course. Um, so you're getting great talent into the organisation, and then you're continually developing mm-hmm. them um, to to obviously help them enhance their their skills individually, but also protect protect your business. And also from a applicant going to a company that has a platform like immersive labs that must be very attractive because being able to upskill have time to do training i think <laughs> me and me and phil can both laugh about this with training but um a, a few months ago i had like my uh, diploma i was meant to do it over a nice six month stretch obviously crammed it in on the yeah. three weeks before and got all the hours in and stayed up late um training isn't always easy to do and mine was exactly the same it was tutorials I had to go through my powerpoints take notes none of it was practical until I actually did the exam um so I guess it's even nicer isn't it to be able to access that online do it in your own time or within your business um, yeah absolutely and and it's you know gamify platform it's an engaging um tool and and actually we see that a lot of the usage comes out of ours so even though you know some organizations mandate usage and they use it as part of objective setting and one-on-ones and performance reviews which is Mm -hmm. which is great actually we see that 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 our users just go and proactively upskill themselves because it's enjoyable and it's engaging and and they'll often do that at weekends or in the evenings when when they're off off have you seen that accelerate because of covid yeah yeah, so usage has certainly right. you know gone up, and, and and sort of out of hours usage has certainly gone up um, recently as well. And another benefit of the platform, of course, is it is just browser based, so you can access it from anywhere actually. So okay, that's good to know. And I think that the, the platform also does team building exercises, doesn't it? And scenario based stuff, so you can actually do stuff to bring your whole team together and make them work yeah, together. Yeah, that's right. So you know we've talked about 
traditional immersive labs if you like and in terms of upskilling and training but but actually we're a lot more than that now we're, we're more of an enterprise platform so there's lots of things that we do so we talked about sort of screening and bringing bringing breasting class talent into organizations and continually upskilling them in the sense that you know cyber is a challenge for everyone in an organization actually so um you know it's not just the responsibility now of the technical teams to protect an organization it's the responsibility of all of us right to to make sure that we're cyber aware and, mm-hmm. and the obvious stuff like phishing emails and making sure we're not clicking on dodgy links but um, actually in the event of a breach and this is what we're seeing you know companies spend millions and millions of dollars a year on protecting their organization and you know installing firewalls and antivirus and all the rest of it but but breaches are happening almost daily and we see it in the news quite regularly don't we and and quite significant breaches and what that means actually in the event of a breach is that lots of different business units and, and stakeholders in an organization are required in the event of a breach so what we allow organizations to do very much like we allow individuals to get hands-on with you know the, t- the technical side of cyber we allow you know, HR teams, um, C-level decision makers, executive teams get hands-on in the event of a crisis. So we'll actually run through a real-life scenario that requires that input. So we've been breached. What, what do we do? Do we switch the network off? Do we do we inform the public? Do we inform our customers? Yeah, because that was interesting. Um, when we were talking about it earlier in the week. Is that you actually do you ask questions like, oh, do you tell the press? Do you not yeah. tell the press? And then it gives you a scenario of what would happen if you had done or what you had said. And I think that's quite interesting because. Um, I think, uh, you know, gone is the day that it's just the IT department and you have to worry, that IT just worry about it. And I think we've learned that a lot internally with going through everything with our ISO accreditation. It's down to all of us. It's down to all, you know, us walking away from our laptops and making their locks and all that Mm. sort of stuff. You can't just be a bit tunnel visioned that it just comes, unfortunately, down to Phil. It's all of us that have to be part of it. Um, But I guess, you know, if you do have a breach, it would then all of us would be involved because you would have to discuss that and I, I don't know for me I wouldn't know how to do that or what the right decision Absolutely. would be and, and what are the repercussions of those mm-hmm. decisions as well like you, you talked about customer confidence and share price and all mm-hmm. those things and, and they would be affected in the event of crisis based on how you handle that scenario yeah you know if we look at the, the travel hack which happened a few years ago their, their response was really quite delayed actually I mean I think it took them a couple of days to get a message on the website I think the initial message was we're, we're down for plan maintenance well of course they weren't they'd been they'd been hacked um, I didn't say anything for two days to anybody uh, and then eventually through Twitter they they announced that they'd been hit by a virus um, and and that response was was concerning and poor right generally because mm-hmm. that that really does create a sense of panic you know customers must have been thinking well what's what's going on here obviously there's financial institutions so mm-hmm. in terms of personal data it was quite quite significant um an interesting choice that they chose twitter yeah yeah well exactly um that, and, quite and a major thing to do but i'll just tweet it just tweet it yeah, we'll get it by virus yeah <laughs> get the social tweet. media team yeah. to tweet that yeah. out that'd yeah. be all right yeah get the likes <laughs> you, you up. can deal with the comments well, exactly and <laughs> but if you haven't been through that scenario you know and they were obviously caught cold obviously and it did yeah. happen as well on i think it was new year's eve so the obviously team were probably off and uh, they were really, really under pressure to respond, but that response just wasn't wonderful. I just and, feel for that poor social media team that would have just yeah. got all the reaction and then have been like, "Wow, I have no idea what to do." <laughs> that must have been awful for them. Okay, so it, yeah, I like that. That it means that we're all involved and we're all part of it, and we're all 
solving the problem, I guess. Exactly. And, you know, we talk about measuring capability and that allows organisations to measure the knowledge, skills and judgment of people right across the organisation. In fact, we did an exercise recently internally, actually, at Immersive Labs when we all got together face to face, which was quite nice a few weeks ago. We ran through a scenario and we all, we all voted on what we thought was the, you know, the correct decision to make and, mm. and gave justification for that. And that allowed Immersive Labs, an organisation, to, to measure us in terms of our decision making capability. You know, How did you do? We did quite well, thankfully. That's thankfully, good. It would be a that bit embarrassing if... You uh, wouldn't have brought it up on the No, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> how did you guys do? Yeah. yeah. And so if people could do... we could, For example, internally here, we could do that as a team exercise Absolutely. Altogether. Yeah, well, so you can, you can run them as, as teams and, uh, you know, we're talking about running that event. That's, that's how it could work. Or you can go away and do them individually. You can do them... You can play them as, as certain individuals. So you could play from a, a technical standpoint. You could play from the CEO's perspective. You could play from a... Um, you know, comms and, and PR perspective Oh, so you can as well, play as so. different people as a team. That's right, yeah. So I could be Phil for the day. You could. The power is in your hands. That'd be very dangerous, wouldn't it? <laughs> Switch it all on. <laughs> Let everybody in, it's fine. <laughs> okay, so you touched just a bit on that about the event. So I had a bit of a brainstorming session um, this week and we were thinking, I quite like the fact that you collaborate and could work together so we're thinking in the new year of actually offering this to our customers or even potentially prospects that they want to come in and actually work as a team you know peer-to-peer and do that voting scenario seeing what they get over it obviously we'll throw in some food with that to make it I mean for me it kind of reminds me of traditional kind of murder mystery dinner party kind of styley but we're cyber security up um so what would because you've gone through that what what would that look like? What what would they learn from it? Because I believe you get like a report as well after that, which yeah. is quite vital. Yeah, that's right. So there's lots of different scenarios that you could be thrown into and we, we make them, you know, real world. So we will base them on um, real life examples of, of breaches that have happened. Mm. Um, so you can be thrown into a scenario that a business has had to face in real life and, and see how you can how can, you can react in, in that way. And that will have a number of repercussions like, like we touched on. So you can see how your decision making um, affects the pathway of that, that journey. So every decision you make affect the ultimate outcome Mm -hmm. so you know what what does your customer confidence levels look like what's your what how's your share price been affected um how has your business impact been affected um so you can collaborate and come together and justify why you think that a decision a may be the the right path to go down Mm -hmm. um which is great because it evokes conversation and actually there's a lot there's always a lot of disagreement and that and that's part of the learning yeah Um, and you know we will we will advise of course what was a what was a strong answer and actually what's quite a weak answer and why and the justification for that so you can understand why that was maybe a the wrong thing to do or not not the best thing to do um so there's lots and lots of learning that that you can have from that experience but it's it's fun it's engaging and allows organizations like i say to to understand where their staff far from a decision making perspective i was going to ask this from um a training are you finding like a good practice of how often you should be using the platform like should you be touching base on it 10 minutes once a week or an hour a month is that or do you think that's personal so it it all depends really i mean so we we release new labs every single week so our our content is continually expanding i think when i joined the business um about 18 months ago we had a few hundred labs we've now got over a thousand so the number of and when i say labs i mean a a practical hands-on experience Mm -hmm. so a challenge essentially um and that's in lots of different areas right whether you're a red team or a blue team for example um 
So what we allow organisations to do actually is set objectives based on, um, and we're going to talk about sort of coverage on, on the MITRE framework, but based on where, where your weaknesses are as an organisation, because we give you that view of capability, you can identify where your areas of risk are as an organisation. So you might say, right, OK, we, we don't have strength here in these particular techniques or these particular areas. This is something we really need to improve and upskill on. So you could go and set objectives for individuals, for teams, to go and get them skilled up in those particular areas and ultimately reduce your risk as a business because you can see where's my coverage where are my mm-hmm. gaps and how do we fill those gaps so it all depends really um on, on where you are as a, as a team but i guess kind of what we do internally is kind of like risk matrices and, and, and stuff like that and yeah. knowing where we need to improve i guess we could you can control the training in some elements to make sure that you're that's part of your control and that you're training people appropriately so i guess as a company you can kind of sit there with your objectives and what you want to achieve year five years and i guess can help you with your recruitment plan absolutely yeah because you may think you need someone else but actually you could there may be someone there may be an untapped talent that you don't know about or someone doesn't know they're good at that thing yeah absolutely and and actually when when you talk to CISOs and you ask them where where are you strong like you've got your teams in place like Mm. where are their capabilities like where are their strengths where are their weaknesses Um, and it's actually really hard for them to answer that question without a platform like immersive labs because you can look at certification like i said at the beginning but you've got no way to evidence capability you've got no way to continually exercise Mm. it really you could go on a sans course for example but how do you evidence that practical experience yes you've gone and sat in a classroom for a week but what what have they actually taken in exactly But also, how do you react as a human being, right? Because you don't actually know how you react until you're in a scenario, going Mm. on the plane flight or a car accident or or any major thing, anything that happens as a human being is the fight or flight thing, isn't it? You don't actually know how you would react. And even you could be the most trained person and they've known it, haven't it? Where like, you know, doctors are not actually there and something happens out of their environment and they freeze or forget. I guess it could be the same for talent in cybersecurity. If you had a major attack, you could probably either just close your computer or and we've been talking about how hard it is to get cybersecurity people the best way yeah. of doing it is to train up and bring through your internal talent yeah exactly so, so as soon as you've got somebody that's got an interest in it you can start training them up bringing them through that'll help your staff retention and skills because obviously if you bring someone in externally you don't know how long they're going to stay they might yep. move on you, you know but if you bring someone that's been working in your business for a while and start training them up it really does help bring those people through it's really interesting you mentioned that actually, Phil. So we, we had a story recently from an existing customer um, and they had a, a chap in their organisation who was the, the cleaner, but he'd always wanted to move into oh. IT. Um, and he he saw that there was a position available in the IT team um, and and he and he applied for the position, but of course he didn't have any, any relevant experience. So the organisation allowed him to have access to immersive labs and allowed him to upskill himself in the areas that would be relevant to that role, um, which he did over a period of weeks. He completed a number of labs that were specific to the role and actually ended up getting the job and moving from a, a cleaner into oh, the I IT team, that. which is just fantastic. You know, so we didn't, they didn't need to go and hire someone external. You can upskill and, and, and retain talent internally and he probably got that cleaning job didn't he because he wanted to be there he wanted to be close to that it was the closest thing he could get to it yeah to that oh, environment. i really love so, that yeah that's a really nice story so it just just shows you know that that it's a great way also to identify talent you know because you can give access to anyone in, in the organization to the platform and, and actually if you see that someone's got real capability then fantastic like let's expose that because i've seen it a lot of times where people get stuck on a service desk they'll come in and do a first line service yep. desk role and they're dying to get into second third line and they just yep. it's trying to make that leap because it is quite mm. a leap sometimes for yeah. people so by using something like this they can 
really put the head above everyone yeah. else and say, look, I'm doing this work. It just Yeah, but it allows you to empower yourself, doesn't it? You can you can do as many labs as you want, I guess. Completely. There's no cap. Absolutely. So you could do as many as you want. At the end of the day, you want people that can deliver, not people that have a piece of paper. Exactly. So, and that's, yeah. the, that's the whole reason we were founded. Um, and, you know, initially it was around upskilling, which of course it is. And, and now it's about reduction of risk. I mean, that's ultimately what, what organisations want. They want to reduce the risk and, and then the impact if they were to be breached. So that's what we allow organisations to do. It's identify where they need to invest, they need to hire, they need to strengthen and, and focus. Has anyone moved from marketing to... <laughs> you fancy it <laughs> no I think I'd be terrible but you never know in a year's time I might come to Phil and be like oh can do this yeah I've now. done labs yeah I'm ready yeah. I think it's good that's good um, and obviously you guys have kind of linked it all to the Mitre Attack Framework I mean yeah. we talk about the Mitre Attack Framework a lot and they'll say look this this will tell you this is the same technique an attack is using and it's this item on the Mitre Attack Framework but do people really look at what's behind that and what those techniques actually are? Whereas your platform will say, look, this mitre attack framework number, mm. this, these are all the things that are happening. And it will explain to people what that actually is. Yeah, that's right. So in the platform, there's essentially a matrix of, of the framework and you can click into each individual technique and that will take you to a series of challenges, a series of labs that are directly related to that technique. So um, you can get you can get hands on with the, the real specifics and actually as i've mentioned you know we, we can do what we call a rag matrix right red amber green so yeah. as, a, as a CISO or a leader in, in cybersecurity in an organization you can get that high level holistic view of where are my strengths in relation to mitre and where do we need to focus and it will it will just show you visually we've got loads of green fantastic we're strong we've got a number of individuals and you click and see who that is um, but actually these are our areas of, of weakness and therefore we either need to upskill hire train people to, to ensure that we've got coverage across all those different techniques another thing could could you like also i guess you could see um if someone wasn't engaging that potentially they're not inspired or you could it's kind of the other way as well couldn't you you could probably see if someone's really accelerating you know that yeah but also if someone started off accelerating and they're dipping then you may be able to pick up from a hr i'm thinking from different departments from a hr perspective it would probably be a bit of a flag of that person's not happy or why you know why aren't they trying to extend their breadth of knowledge or maybe they want to career change or something i guess it can help you with that element as well yeah absolutely and allow you to dig into those areas and use them as a conversation for career development as well yeah you know, this, this is where you've been fantastic. Actually, this is what we've, we've seen a trend or we've seen it. Mm. We've seen a dip. Like, why, why is that? Is that something that's not enjoyable? Is, is there something else going on? And, and absolutely, yeah, delve into those those sorts of things. OK, so secure coding is a constraint in the development process. And this is kind of another part of the platform that I'm hoping you can explain. Rip yeah, so we've sort of touched on, you know, bringing people into an organisation and, and, and screening for talent and capability and, and reducing unconscious bias and all that good stuff and then upskilling individuals as we go and then battle testing, decision making holistically in the event of a crisis. So involving the CEO, involving execs, involving other business units. The, the sort of final pillar, if you like, of our, of our platform is around um, what we call application security and, and actually getting engineers and development teams to shift left and really think about cybersecurity during that, that coding and development phase. Okay. So typically, it's not really thought of from, from, from those teams, right? Cyber is, a, is an afterthought. Cybersecurity is an afterthought. Um, so what we allow organisations to do is very similar, actually, to our, our sort of traditional cyber pro model. It allows 
uh, developers to be dropped into uh, you know a live code environment and actually start to identify vulnerabilities, fix vulnerabilities in, in a safe environment to ensure that when they are coding, they're doing it in in you know in a in a safe and secure manner that will ultimately reduce the number of vulnerabilities that are released in in code. And that must be huge for the development of apps and things. Yeah, and fintech and e like all the e-tech stuff now because you can do your blood levels now can't you with apps and things on you and stuff like that they've yeah. got a lot of data on you uh, absolutely absolutely <laughs> absolutely data. yeah and you know if you, if you do have you know applications and, and websites and and various um various forms of, of communicating to your customers and, and you're constantly developing and, and releasing that then it, actually if you release vulnerable code there, there's a cost associated to business to go back and fix that right, right. so you've got to go right back to the start you've got to go in and fix it and re-release which comes at you know a cost from a from a time and a money perspective so if you can get those developers thinking about cybersecurity and securing sorry coding securely early on mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to reduce those um which is which is good one one example not necessarily about security but what one example of coding that i i, I knew a coder and there was, a, there was a big bit of code it went through and it went through and it said look and back in the days of dongles in the back of yeah, pcs yeah. and it went through and said check this algorithm from this dongle is this particular long key but then in the code further up it says do you want to check for the dongle just change it to no and it went through pass without it so, you know, yeah. it's about making sure that, you know, things are Absolutely. done securely, you yeah. know what I mean? It's all yeah. done right from the get-go. From Absolutely. the very beginning. Okay, so, obviously, I I think this all sounds very exciting and I'm going to do lots of training. But um, if someone hasn't worked with you guys before and are thinking this is a really good for their company, um, can you trial it? Can, how how does someone start the process of looking into Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, contact Quarter Cloud, we obviously partner with you guys and have done uh, for a while so what we normally allow organizations to do is is have access to the platform mm-hmm. for, for a proof of value and a, and, a, and a trial period so what we would do is actually work with that organization to understand what pains and challenges they currently have mm-hmm. typically that's around not understanding capability in their organization not having that that continuous view yeah. on capability and not being able to to improve it and enha- enhance it over time um, so we would work with the organization to understand their challenges and pains and then translate that to the platform how can we help you solve those challenges and pain how can we give you the data and the analytics that you need to have confidence in your Mm. capability and that's the important thing that's what organizations generally want reduce risk and have confidence in their capability Um, and then we'll allow you to access the platform and and of course you can get hands-on and use it as you normally would Um, and then we would we would come together at the end and say right this is what you wanted to achieve here's the evidence that hopefully we have achieved that Um, and and go from there and then and then we, we tend to see organizations then subscribe for 12 24 36 months perfect well thank you very much you're welcome